Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there. The Rewatchingtons, bomb in its full Ooh. and unadulterated cut, early drops of Cinephobe episodes, and so much more. You said the OG pod. Now, is it new or is it old? Mace, I'm glad you asked that. It is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old OG pod. Oh. So it's me, Zach, Trey, Waz, Tom. I love those guys. Just like we always were. Going back to the True Hoop days, mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic, recapturing it, and putting it back out. We're talking hoops. We're talking pop culture. And most importantly, we're talking for 40 minutes for free. Mm-hmm. But then another specific Patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes. Funny enough about that OG pod, you're getting Tom and Trey on Mondays. You're getting me and Waz, aka Zosny, on Wednesdays. Amin's floating in between. I'm a floater. You never know when you're going to get Amin in those, so you got to listen to them all. And what if I'm not sure what Maze looks like? Because I've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora. He's got a weird voice. How can I see for myself what this Maze character actually looks like? It's crazy you don't know the answer to this. Hmm. because it's the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. What? The CT5s on the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. You can look at all of us. You can get all the OG pods on YouTube too at CountTheDings1 on YouTube, at Cinephobe Pod on YouTube, patreon.com slash CountTheDings gets you everything all in one feed. You can link it to your Spotify. And now enjoy the show. Hey, listener, Zach Harper here, Underdog Fantasy the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other, and whoever has more points points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do. That is your rival's pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick first-time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first-time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org, Arizona 1-800-NEXT-STEP, that's 1-800-639-8783, or text Next Step to 53342. New York, call the 24-7 Hope Line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Welcome, 
welcome, welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back from the holidays, man. Christmas is over. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever else you guys are celebrating out there is over. It's a new year, 2019. This is the first episode of the Woke Bros featuring me, your co-host, uh, Big Waz, of course. I got my man Michael Jamal Abdul Brooks. <laughs> Out in Brooklyn, New York, of course, as always, man. I'm so happy to be starting the first show of the new year, man. Starting it off with a bang. Yes, sir. Same. Very excited for 2019, the year of Woke Bros. Yes, yeah, a metaphorical toast and sip of Clico right now. Clink, <laughs> add that in post. Uh, before we get into everything, man, of course, you know we got to pay the bills. The Michael Brooks live show in NYC, man, live in Brooklyn, New York, at the Bell House. Is that it's called the Bell House, right? Yeah, it's called the Bell House, exactly. At the February Bell 1st. House, February first. Tell them about it, Michael. Brooklyn, Alona Minkowski is going to be there. Bhaskar Sunkara, Trevor Bolu, the whole TMBS crew. There's going to be impressions. There's going to be videos, like. You're going to watch and do a show with us. And we've already got a lot of people who've already booked tickets. So there's going to be a lot of people, big atmosphere. You know, obviously you'll get an opportunity to meet and connect with all of your favorite players from the show and all of your favorite members of the crew, all of that. And then, of course, also, you know, go to Patreon because this is the this is the time of year for everybody where with uh, like hard declines and stuff. It's always like, oh man, my where my beautiful patron number. Get it back up. Patreon.com slash TMBS or and also Michael Brooks show uh, on YouTube, uh, where we have a lot of clips now and we almost we're about at our first twenty thousand subscribers. So we're awesome. going at it. Yeah. And of course, man, we're we're now only ten days away from the Los Angeles, California live show of Count the Dings. Uh, that's gonna be at the Bootleg, the Bootleg Theater on the east side of LA. Man, I can't wait for that. It's crazy. We got we got a lot of surprise guests coming in. I just looked at some of the guest sheet yesterday. Me and Jay were discussing, it, and I'm pretty excited about. I think people are gonna really love some of the people we got coming up. And of course, you know, if you couldn't make the LA show, which is understandable, sold out so quickly. Uh, we're doing a live show in Boston in and around the Sloan Analytic Conference on March the 2nd. That's at the Middle East in Cambridge, Mass. You know, uh, that's that's right by Michael Brooks's old stomping ground. You know, he's a mass hole himself. Oh, very profoundly and still, still have not been. And, you know, I don't know why because... <laughs> It's a testament to our closeness that I have not called for an official boycott of the Boston show because <laughs> it's fucking disgusting that I haven't been invited to that yet. Disgusting. Yeah, like, we gotta get we gotta get on Jade. The boy. Boston show will make the Boston show faker than the moon landing, Jade. We 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 gotta get on Jade Hoy about sending that formal invite. Uh, but of course, our VIP tickets, unfortunately, have already sold out. But general admin is still available, and the venue is a nice size. But even general admin will get you great seats. 
you know, and of course, everybody's going to be floating around. You'll be able to meet the cast and crew, our various um, guest co-hosts and all of that. So make sure you get a hold of that. The holiday's over. You know what I'm saying? I know you guys spent a lot of money on your loved ones um, and maybe your side pieces. But, you know, maybe get get to thinking about this Boston Live show. Everybody who's in the Northeast area, trust me, it will be worth the trip. Now, let's get down to business, Mike. Uh, uh, This is almost about two weeks old now. LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers. uh, As he's wont to do, he did one of his... Anybody who follows LeBron on social knows he likes to review music before it comes out. He tends to get music early. He loves to give his opinions, whether it be Travis, whether it be Drake, whether it be Kendrick, whether it be J-Rock, um, Nipsey Hussle. It doesn't really matter. Like, if you're a prominent um, rap release, LeBron's going to get a hold of your stuff, and he's going to review it, and he's going to do his awkward dance and bop to it, and he's going to recite some of the lyrics awkwardly. And, you know, that's just kind of <laughs> what he does. Uh Recently, 21 Savage just dropped the album, you know, Young Cat out of ATL. One of one of one of the bigger rappers in the game at this point, pretty established artist at this point in his career. And LeBron recited a lyric. Um, and I don't know if you caught up to this, Mike, but the lyric he recited was I don't need no host. You get burned like toast. I don't drink no liquor, but I'm smoking no more most. Yeah. We been getting that Jewish money, everything is kosher. Okay. Buy myself a Venador and buy my bitch a roast. We got Jewish money. Everything's kosher. And it was a bit of, I mean, I know you're laughing, Mike, <laughs> because it's just like, it's such a crass line. It's like not very creative, uh, you know, nothing special. But LeBron repeated the lyric and it was a bit of an uproar because, you know, obviously, as you know, Michael, because you you happen to be a partly Jewish person yourself. Um, and many people know that, you know, folks had a problem with the lyric because it feeds into the sort of stereotype that Jews are, you know, money grubbers and they're always hoarding resources. And this is a lot of the propaganda that was used, very same propaganda that was used in obviously a much different context back in Germany by the Nazi party, you know, to justify the idea that we need to get the Jewish people the hell up out of Germany. Right. And so a lot of people are very sensitive to the idea that somebody would be perpetuating the stereotype that Jews have all the money in the world. Right. And so LeBron got, you know, he got a bit of a backlash behind it. I think he said, you know, there was no disrespect meant. He's like he didn't realize what he said is he didn't realize that he was being offensive by saying that Jewish people were successful. Um, And some people took him to task for it, said he should know better than that. Um, you know, I have a, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I want to quickly, cause you're a Jewish person, Mike. So I wanted to quickly get your thoughts on this. Wow. I finally got to be the aggrieved party on a show, man. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> no, look, I mean, all right, let me just start like what I feel about it personally. And then I'll get a little bit more macro, but to be honest with you, like, I kind of, I grew up actually thinking that in general, a lot of what people in my community, the Jewish part of my community, would get offended and concerned about, to be honest, was not with our times. So in other words, like if you're being real, like if you're a Jewish person growing up in the modern day in like New York or Massachusetts, look, you're not plain white. 
you have heard or faced some things that are, you know, unpleasant. Like I know, I remember some dude talking about, uh, you know, yeah, like that, that building burned down, but there's reports that it was a Jew fire. You know, somebody said like people have made comments and this or that all, you know, in different situations where I can note and realize, yeah, that's definitely anti-Semitism. Uh, and, and even on a few occasions, uh, if I really think it's necessary, you know, I'll, I'll point something out. Um, and part of it might just be like a personality tick or not, because I also think like in the grander scheme of things, it just doesn't, you know, in this day and age, in the United States, there isn't, there hasn't been, uh, that kind of like, you know, you don't face any kind of systemic oppression right now because you're Jewish. That's also the reality. And in general, I got to say, like, I'm even on areas that are not my business to have the same opinion on, but like even the things that I amplify in my work about like systemic racism, as an example, have to do with politics and policy and big macro things, you know, like I'm less interested in the article about, you know, microaggressions or whatever, right? That just isn't my bad, for better or for worse. So I have a little bit of a jaundiced view about this. On the other hand, I will say right now, I actually feel like we are in a moment where, you know, when you when you stir up all of the shit that's being stirred up globally right now, and obviously by Trump and the Republicans of the United States. And this is also why right-wing uh, Jewish people are just unbelievably short-sighted. Like, it's always going to come to Jews eventually. <laughs> like, you know, just because it's been way more dormant doesn't mean there isn't a lot of anti-Semitism out there. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, I, so like, I got a, long, a lot of other thoughts on this, but I will say this. That being said, this game, like, the dude literally quoted a lyric – <laughs> and I know these lyrics, like, I'm just fucking tired of it. Like, I remember once I said, and I don't feel comfortable, but like, look, even in a much more serious way, if you gave me a verbatim news story that I had to read that had the N word in it, I'm just yes, saying, read it, read I'm it. Yes. Going to be a, like, I just think it's fucking childish and everybody, and I'm tired of the apology culture in general. Cause I don't think it's about. Anyway, I'll elaborate that in a second, but I, I just think I was tired of it. And look, I also think, yeah, there's a lot of rap lyrics. Jay-Z had a lyric about Jewish money. And the closest analogy I could think of with it to, is like it's it's like when white dudes talk about black dudes having like big dicks or whatever. <laughs> right. 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 No, think about it. Like, be so, yeah, be it is. Sensible. It is. It is. Um, and, and, you know, and, and, and by the way, whatever, but that's a, that's a, that's actually, by the way, that's true. Right? No, 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 that's <laughs> no, by the way, nobody ever refutes it. <laughs> right. Like nobody ever refutes that stereotype, but like, here's the thing to get the LeBron part of this out the way. Right. Like as our most famous athlete, as a motherfucker who's opening up schools for kids, he shouldn't be doing this publicly, right? Like, he should know better than to be, like, saying shit about Jewish money. That's whatever. He was wrong. He should do better. He must do better going forward. That goes without saying. I think what gets lost in a lot of this shit when it, when it comes to this conversation is just, like, when you are speaking from the perspective of a black person and it's like, yo, 
everything like these stereotypes about Jewish people having money, hoarding money, being cheap, being frugal, being blah, 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 blah. It's the exact opposite of what is the stereotype of us. And that is doing us no good. Right. So the idea that like being stereotyped to have money as a sitting in from the seat of a black person, you could see why that could seem like how is that a problem? Because our stereotype ain't working for us. People right. think we're destitute. People think we're frivolous with money. People think right. we're dumb. You know what I'm saying? Like this, like the opposite of this stereotype hasn't worked out for us, right? And also, too, I will submit specifically for somebody who's like a rapper, like the CEO of your record label is a Jewish man. All right. Like when you're when you're a black person who lives in, say, Brooklyn, New York, like if you live in Crown Heights, Bed-Stuy, East New York, wherever you go, if you're renting from somebody, the person you're renting from is a Jewish person. You look up all the lawyers are Jewish, not all the lawyers, but a vast majority of the most successful lawyers are Jewish people like. This idea that people are prepared, it's like, this is what's around you, right? Not to say that it's not ignorant, not to say I'm justifying ignorance. It's just like this idea that, uh, you know, Jewish people aren't successful. Like trying to break that down to a black person just, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to to somebody coming from that worldview, right? Well, there's definitely like the stereotype, like – you can always tell like when a part like a white person that has issues with black people has issues that have arisen around actually living around some black people <laughs> versus never having ever interacted with black people. Sure. Right. Absolutely. So it's like, yeah, you can definitely tell like, yes, like it's the same thing. Like some of the shit I heard as I was scanning my Rolodex of like actual anti-Semitic shit I've heard was either like real crusty people in New England who really might have never met Jews and had stereotypes of Jews the same way they might have a stereotype of like a Puerto Rican person or something. And these are maybe, maybe people they've literally never met, like maybe literally, right? right? And then you go in, in New York and it's like, well, well, you know, anybody can find a justification for any stereotype they want to have in New York is how I'll put it. New, yeah, and New right? York is a bit, yes, of course, of course. If you want to be anti-black, yes. Black, Jew, Muslim. Puerto Rican, yes. Irish, Puerto Rican, like, it's here. You yeah. can find it. <laughs> but I think like the the deeper the deeper thing though is is the is is the the analogy of well anytime you ascribe some essential characteristic to a group and you know break it's like first of all it's it's not accurate there's actually a, a good amount of poverty in the Jewish community just like there is in any other it's also that you know the danger of that just kind of large scale reductive thinking about groups of people. And we all know where that leads to no matter what group you're talking about. But I, I just also want to say, I just think that this, I'm really fucking sick of call out culture. I'm really fucking sick of it. Of like, I like what those, like the, um, what Jesus and Mero, when they say like God's working on all of us and they say it to just kind of like, you know, basically fuck around with like the jokes that they make. Right. But I think in general, like there needs to be a much more of an attitude about that in general, because now, because it's like, 
We're getting to the point, and in some ways it's great, right? Where it's like you're you're in a point in culture where behavior and ideas and things that aren't just absolutely egregious, like most people could agree are egregious, right? But things that are more subtle are getting put on the table to be like interrogated. And in some ways that's cool for sure. It's a necessary evolution. But the tactic and the conversation around things that are more subtle and different has to change. And I just feel like like instead of going to LeBron like you just did or like we've been trying to do and, you know, been, you know, pointing the way of where the where the hiccups in that are, where the problems might be, just that like knee jerk, like they need to apologize. They need to da, 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 da. I'm just honestly like I'm getting to a point where even ones where I'm actually like, yeah, point blank, like that was fucked up, whatever that was. I'm just so fucking allergic to that kind of behavior on social media. Cause I think first of all, yeah, nobody's self-assessing enough because we're all very flawed humans. <laughs> and I think we all want to be in a position where we're cutting the really obvious people that are like, you know, the enemy, whether that be Trump or whoever. And then besides that, we should be thinking about trying to like fucking evolve a little bit together. I think like to be a little fucking new age about it. And I just, I don't know, man. I'm just, so I'm just like burnt out on it. It's yeah. like, yeah, should you have quoted the lyric? No. Is the lyric, you know, point to something problematic? Definitely. But the attitude and how people carry it, I'm fucking done with it, man. Yo, and and, and this is lastly what I'll say about it. Um, To take some of our listeners behind the curtain, some of our listeners who might not be black people, the bottom line is these conversations about black pathology actually happen within the black community itself, right? Where people literally say things like, yo, why can't we be why can't we be more like the Jews? Look at the Jews. They were hated. People, you know, shat on them, spit on them, fucking actually, you know, ethnically cleanse them and look at what they're doing. They spend money with each other. They work with each other. They, like, build each other up and look what they've been able to achieve. Like, Jewish people are literally held up as something to aspire to within the black community. Period. <laughs> like, straight up. Like, this is not a stereo. It's not like, oh, we're stereotyping Jews as money grubbers or whatever. Literally, black people see Jewish people in America, specifically. I don't know about Jewish people in France or even Israel or none of that. I'm talking about Jewish people in America are something to aspire to. What a lot of black people see as something to aspire to. That level of success, prosperity, and... um you know, frankly, of financial freedom, like just period, like to the point where, yo, dude, I'm, I'm watching Barack Obama, our first black president on TV one day, the way this man was talking about Israel and the Jewish people, like, yo, we got to protect them. We got to have they back. We got to hold them down. We got to do, I was like, yo, and it's not to say that we shouldn't. That's not even to say that. I'm just like, yo, the first black president, he could never say that shit about black people. Ever. That way, that explicitly, that direct, like he could never say that. Right. And so Jewish people literally. And of course, I know the reason why there are people with influence who lobby our government on behalf of Israel straight up. And that's all it is. It's not like some deep conspiracy, like people lobby on behalf of coal. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a conspiracy. It's very simple. Like, people who have money, who have means, lobby on behalf of Israel um, to our government officials. Like, it's not like a conspiracy, but it just struck me watching it as a black man, looking at our first black president, the way this man directly just talked about what we needed to do for Israel. Just, you know, it just blew me away. Right. So, so you excited I'm when I'm the Jewish president? I'm talking about what we got to do for Haiti. Oh, man, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. And so that's all I just wanted to say about that. man. I, I just want to say real quick, too. I also think another thing like I, I read. Um, I, I wish I could remember the title of it, but I read a book years ago. It was by Cornell West. And a like a, a left wing rabbi on like the Jewish black relationship. And I, I also think like that's another area where it it really doesn't fit again in both really bad ways, but also in some good and interesting ways into this kind of like one dimensional sort of woke culture, because there's also been like at times definitely alliances between those communities and a lot of cross pollination and some of it is a big problem and needs to be really, you know, adjusted in certain areas, of course. And, you know, there's a lot to learn, but there's also, you know, there's also just some element that is like, you know, it's really dated, but it's like, yeah, there's like, there is the other dynamic of working together on political projects of seeing overlapping goals and also both people very, very freely, stealing from each other's culture and creating a a hybrid culture, particularly in a place like New York. Yeah. So that's also part of the, and so that's another thing of why those lyrics to me, it's like, yeah, whatever, but it, it's more analogous to like a lovable Jewish kid, you know, like dressing in like Tommy Hilfiger shit when he's 15, (laughs) you know what I mean? That's like, actual like anti-semitism you know it's 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 like no that's cool <laughs> look honestly and, and 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 the reason why i wanted to talk about it on today's show because like honestly i'm talking to people who are black who like are reading the controversy and literally could not understand how calling people successful in america the most capital right capitalistic place in the world, in the history of the world. The idea that saying somebody had money could be a diss, like for black people, again, who are associated with nothing but being destitute, being lowly, right? Having nothing straight up, like as Donald Trump said, you got nothing to lose, right? Um, Just the idea that this could be somehow um, seen as a diss, uh, a hateful hate speech. They they were flabbergasted by by just the notion of that in the land of the free, home of the brave. So I'm glad we got to touch on that today. So I guess uh, we're gonna pivot. Not that radically to a new sure. now. We're going to talk about Ebro now, right? Yeah, sure. Ebro Darden um, from the mor- from Hot 97's morning show. Uh, you know, he he's got well, a double. Well, he's black and Jewish, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. He's half black, half Jewish. He is him and Drake and my man Derek Olsen. The fighting machine of the media <laughs> culture. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god, Mike, he's stupid. It's like a, it's like a Captain Planet of media culture. <laughs> yeah, he's <just> fucking. <laughs> he's just like black oh, with a beard. Yeah, if, and, and if <laughs> you don't know, hit you with any type of slang or way of being annoying imaginable. If if you don't know anything about Ebro Darden, um, he's the host of Hot 97's morning show. He's also their PD, their pro program director, meaning he literally picks the songs that the station plays, right? He wears both of those hats. Um, this position for global music editorial head of hip hop and R&B was left open by, I think, Carl Cherry, who's now, who's a Haitian homie, um, who's now at Spotify. And uh, it's, it's an interesting move, Mike, to me, because... Ebro now has the market cornered on both the radio side and now he's in charge of the second biggest streaming platform in Apple, right? So it's the old school and new school. He's now planting himself firmly at the forefront of it. And it's just, a, you know, it's a pretty interesting move because, again, like terrestrial radio still has lots of listeners. There's still a lot of money in it. Um, it's still very important, but straight up and down, like nowadays you can sell out arenas and not have a single song on the radio because of the nature right, of how exactly. people now consume their music. Uh, and Ebro's now doing the streaming thing too, which is interesting, man. And cause you know, I was talking to a couple of my friends and, and um, who work in music now, and, the, and you know, a couple of them said they they liked the move because they felt like it would bring a little bit of order to the streaming services, to the streaming game, I should say, not the services, but the 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 sort of culture around streaming and these playlists and whatnot, and because Ebro is known as being this kind of crusty old traditional hip hop, and it's sort of a checks and balances against the newer wave, more I guess progressive, if you will. Uh, rap that's dropping nowadays yeah no I mean I, I think it, it speaks well of their decision making process and I don't want to be you know I, I've said some positive things definitely about the Beats partnership and, and Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre and obviously I believe Jimmy Iovine is he's still in charge of Apple Music as a as a whole and I think like you know, not to put them on a pedestal. They've got plenty of their own problems and mistakes or whatever. And I think that Apple Music is still, you know, clearly the music streaming business has not exactly been figured out. And there's a lot of ways in which these platforms are still overall in the aggregate sense, not good for artists. And in fact, what was supposed to open up sort of bigger gates and sort of like wider play has in some instances, but overall probably even monopolize music and concentrated it even more and more. But on the flip side, with my usual kind of like critiques out of the way, it, it's that just speaks very well of that team. Uh, it, it, it's sort of like to us, I think it seems like an obvious choice, but I think to like the broader business community and especially Silicon Valley, which is still notoriously just culture illiterate. And when I say culture, I mean lit, like as a category, I'm not talking about like hip hop culture, music culture, anything. I'm talking like culture, 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 <laughs> like of any variety, right? Like this is a place I remember uh, having a lunch with, with this dude, uh, Grant McCracken, who we used to interview a lot, who wrote this book called Chief Culture Officer, which is used by a lot of advertising and brand agencies. And he said, one time he asked 
he was talking to some, you know, relatively established Silicon Valley person. And he was asking, well, when you think about this app, like what, who are you building this for? Like, who are the people? What's the community? And this person was like, uh, the end user, <laughs> like literally that's all they had. Right. So <laughs> the concept, think, the yeah, concept that the yeah. people at the end of these apps were anything other than just like a digit was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that you could get Mac, that you could do exactly. So I think like if Apple keeps pushing in the direction of like, we're the one that actually does culture. We actually take this space seriously. We actually have someone here who, um, you know, whatever you think of him, I happen to definitely like Ebro. I know he's a controversial figure for some people in this sort of like hip hop radio wars and all the rest of it. I know there's some very vicious rumors going on about him right now, supposedly working with the NYPD, (laughs) which I know like Joe Budden was fanning the flames of a little bit, but, but regardless, like in the big macro sense, this is definitely like, I think if you are in music writ large and certainly hip hop, you look at this and you say like, okay, we've got like a player from our side has been put into the right position. Like this isn't, you know, this isn't an A&R person, you know, this isn't like some tech person. I guess, I think Trent Reznor maybe used to have this position from Nine Inch Nails or a similar position at Apple. So it continues in that tradition, but it's a smart and interesting call. Hopefully though, you know, he will, I think he'll be pro artist in terms of the content, uh, but you know, radio doesn't have an amazing record with artistic treatment either. No, and you know, of course, Hot 97 has been plagued by the rumors of payola for right. years now. And you know, I, I, a lot of people had some snide comments to make about that. Payola back, some people said. <laughs> but, but you know, um, no, and, and for the listeners out there, just to not bring you behind the curtain, I don't want to act like I'm giving you some like music industry secrets, but um, the, th- the the reason why it's interesting you mentioned culture and Apple specifically, Apple happens to be the app most used by um, people who listen to street artists, black people, essentially, right? Yeah. Like when a guy like Moneybag Yo, who is like, you know, he's a mid-tier rapper, like, you know, if we're being realistic, right? But when he drops a project, his shit goes number one on Apple Music. Most street artists, for and I don't know why this is, but the community that consumes street rap music are Apple Music um, consumers. So that's what. So like their Apple Music's business is black music right now. So the idea that Ebro got this um, this job is is very interesting to me. You know, and I just want to read um, a couple of the words of. Uh, the statement that Ebro dropped. He said, quote, first things first is making sure that we're firing on all cylinders in the best way possible, helping consumers find the music that they love and also helping artists connect with consumers in a real way. Once I learn about what's needed to achieve that, it will be about looking ahead and figuring out ways to serve the communities where hip hop and R&B music is made. Black music comes from the community. This is music. I'm, this is music made by people living real lives and artists speaking on behalf of those real lives. Um, the quote continues, if we're doing our jobs, 
We'll be able to get down at the community level and connect with people to not only help artists service their communities, but help those communities thrive. This is a global position as well. So as we build this out, I'll be doing the same thing I want to do in America, in the UK, Africa, India, Japan, Brazil, and other countries. I'll be wherever R&B and hip hop are being consumed and working to create communication amongst communities around the world through Apple Music, making sure that black music is getting recognized and developing the next superstars. And that's the end of his and, quote. So and then talk- he added, uh, Jimmy Iovine gave me great nosh. <laughs> also very good because I was famished after the flight from New York to L.A. <laughs> Uh, uh, that Mike, he's a Mike is a real mensch, you guys. Yeah, he's a real mensch. So yeah, I'm, you know, this Ebro to Apple stuff is like basically right up the fucking woke bros alley. So I wanted to touch on that, and uh, no, it's perfect. And, and all the like, you know, you just gotta always hit the bigger problems in the whole of the tech industry and all the rest of it and inequality. But I mean, this is a, I think this is a great call, and I'm excited to see like. It certainly makes me less interested in Spotify or whatever, and more likely to stick with Apple as a streaming service. Yeah, I'm 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 a Spotify guy. Like the actual like user function of Apple is just seems it's just kind of impossible to me. Like Spotify is so clean because and. Sure. And you know the funny thing about Spotify is like they're straight up just not a music company. They're a tech company, right? So that's 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 how they that's how the um that's sort of how the product operates. It's like, yo, let's just make the shit as easy as possible on these dudes. Um whereas Apple is definitely they've always been obviously a tech company, but they fancy themselves as being culture and art too. So, you know, right. I think that's the difference between the two companies. Uh moving that's- on, man, to another Woke Bro's favorite, man. We ended off 2018 with this guy. We're starting off 2019 with him. <laughs> this guy. This Dude, guy. I really thought we put him to, because we did a review for Woke Bros. We did a review when you were in studio on, on uh, TMBS, on my show. I thought we were done. Yeah, uh, Kanye just won't let us. Uh, Drake unfollowed his wife on Instagram recently and no no Kanye complained that Drake was still following his wife on Instagram and so Drake <laughs> this is guys this is <laughs> a thing that actually happened guys like this is a thing that like we're not making this up this isn't like me and Mike workshopping potential Kanye uh headlines this guy went on the internet to complain about Drake following his wife on Instagram um, and so it's been reported because there are people who follow this sorts of shit that Drake recently unfollowed her. And uh, yeah, that's that's what we got, folks. That's where we are with this shit, man. Oh, he's also reaffirmed his his Trump fandom. Um, he's going to wear the hat on stage at his shows. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, dude. Blah, 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 blah. Like, what else is there to say? I, I, I was I was saying at the end of the year, I think, like, basically I was kind of saying, like, look, he seems like he stepped back a little bit from the politics tip when he's talking, when he's supporting the fucking Trump, okay? You got to speak about that because that's a problem for humanity, okay? So, of course. But, you know, let's look at this 
legitimately as somebody who's clearly got some very serious issues and, you know, I guess in my sort of like general stop the pile on bias right now. But that being said, I mean, I saw that tweet about like Trump all day or something. And I was just like, this is fucking incredible because now you you've taken like me, who's kind of like a give somebody a second and third chance kind of guy in some ways. And it's just like, all right, it's done. Like you just done. Fuck you. Like there is, is barely even worth registering, especially let's also be really honest about this. The fucking artistic output is not commensurate with how trash it just, he is as a public persona. It's just not. The dude supports Trump. He went to Uganda and sucked up to Jonas Museveni, who's a vicious dictator there as well, for that matter. He's spreading all sorts of poison imaginable. He worships fucking J.P. Morgan and Steve Jobs. It's it's enough. I mean, Robert Duvall was a Republican, but he still played Tom Hagen in the first two Godfathers. You know, I mean, <laughs> and Kanye has not had a Godfather moment in quite some time. Like I. I like individual things and in all of these records he put out this this you know summer and he's not a untalented person but he, gee he's not that talented I'm sorry yeah yeah yeah, but yeah Kanye um he's just you know he's beyond he's beyond saving at this point um you know the 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 whole stop following my wife on the gram it's 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 <laughs> sec- it's just it's it's fifth and sixth grade level. Um, stupidity at this point. That and that's also where basically, to me, the rumor going around that one, I forget which one, but that oh, he's one of giving Drake's that's like it's about having sex with Kim Kardashian. Like, yes, yes, you're giving, really validating that yes, no, conspiracy. I didn't believe it, but now I kind of, I, I was like, ah, oh, that's a lot kind of sensational. That seems like whatever, but now I'm starting to be on the side of, yeah, that probably happened. The way, like, the way he's behaving is just like, okay, bro. Like, you're just manic now. Now, the next thing is with Drake. Yeah, I told you. Now, if I wasn't in a medicated state, I might have thought and had the wherewithal to say, Hey, Pusha, don't diss Drake on my beat. And I and I spoke about that and took accountability for that. Now, what I need, what I'm looking for for my spirit to take accountability is the fact that it's people making rumors or thinking that you fuck my wife and you're not saying nothing and you carrying it like that, that don't sit well with my spirit. You know, if I had a girlfriend from Chicago, her name was Renita, and then you was married to Rihanna, I wouldn't make no song called Riri. So when you're like, oh, I don't know where it come from, you too smart for that, bro. You know where that come from. West um, to things that are extremely frivolous. I mean, from things that are extremely frivolous to something like pretty important. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love that transition. Yeah, <laughs> we're not talking about Kanye anymore. Let's get to the bullshit the government shutdown. <laughs> yeah, man, we're we're in the I guess the the twelfth day twelfth day of the of the partial government shutdown. 
Um, national parks are closed. Uh, you know, obviously the Dems are going to pass a pl- pass a plan to reopen the government. Um, I'm, you know, I hate that like government workers are going through some bullshit because of just straight up stupid political maneuvering by our president. But I love that he's just going to lose this. There is no winning. You're not going to win. You're going to lose. Um, Pelosi and Schumer showing up to his office that day and him wanting it on camera for some reason uh, is going to completely backfire because he already said, when the government shuts down, I'll take responsibility. Like, you're on tape saying it. Uh, Yeah, like, he's just going to lose this. And I love it because he's going to lose it on not getting his wall stuff. Isn't this great? (laughs) Yes. I mean, look, I'm all for anything that shoots cortisol off and that bloated, grotesque, stupid fucking body of his. But, you know, it's obviously this shit is obviously hurting a lot of people. Yeah. It's bad for the economy. People who are subcontractors are not going to get back pay. The letter they sent out, they sent out a fucking letter to government employees, basically like coaching them on like, this is how you can talk to your landlord about not getting evicted. Like just disgusting shit that is harming plenty of people at the same time that yes, this stupid dumb wall, which is so fucking useless and nonsensical to begin with and would go through like a butterfly sanctuary and harm a lot of people's lives before it's worth like, I was of the school that, you know, it's fake. Like if you want to give him like a little bit of money for this fantasy wall in exchange for like defending DACA or, you know, continuing protected, um, you know, uh, a preferred status for people dealing with the, you know, aftermath of the earthquake in Haiti, I would take that deal. But the truth is, is like, you know, the, the, they reversed themselves on that when that was on the table. The democratic leadership is pathetic. They don't know how to strategize, particularly Chuck Schumer. But yeah, I mean, politically, he's going to lose massively. And, you know, and it's going to be fun to watch him whine and bloviate. And that's just kind of like where we're at. You know what I mean? Man, <laughs> like, he literally and- he literally turned his back on this deal that was already agreed upon because Rush Limbaugh dissed him. Like it's 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 really that simple. He got dissed by Limbaugh by uh the the devilish skinny blonde woman. I always forget this woman's name. Oh my god, the chick that's dating JJ Evans. Um oh. and oh, Coulter. Uh, and Coulter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Coulter. Uh, yeah, JJ from Good Time. <laughs> <laughs> JJ from Good Times is dating her or was dating her, which was like one of the craziest, wildest factoids like ever of my life. I was just like, what? That is crazy. I didn't know that. That's insane. But yeah, man. So it's, it, you know, it, you, you. I literally we, thought it was a black Republican you were making fun of. No, no, no. JJ Evans. Dino Why? <laughs> yeah. That, that Google that. Yeah, it's it's insanity. <laughs> it's it's fucking crazy. It like it's it's crazy. Um, you know, so th- this is where we're at. Uh, Dems take over on the sixth, I believe. Yeah. They take over the house on the sixth, and you know the 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 journey continues, man. Um, anything yeah, else? The journey continues. Um, no, man. I just want to say uh, that also. You know, uh, J.R. Bolsonaro was inaugurated in Brazil, fascist, uh, 
Mike Pompeo was there. The U.S. business community supports him. The Wall Street Journal supports him. And in the first day, he's already ripped back protections for the Amazon, uh, which would definitely hurt all of us because that's like 40 percent, I think, of the world's forest has big implications for the global environment. And, uh, you know, Lula's still in jail. He's already stripping back uh, protections for gay, lesbian, transgender people. And I just think particularly, you know, I also know that there's like a military situation in Grenada. And I think like, you know, I don't know. I think we really got to look at Trump as this like global symptom that we got to figure out. Um, but I also think that on the other hand, like looking at AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ro Khanna and obviously Bernie Sanders and all of that. I mean, there's some they're they're making some very, very aggressive, necessary moves there. So we'll see, man. Yeah, uh, just a f- couple quick words, man. I want to send my thoughts out. My thoughts are with the people in Sudan. They're going through a vicious um, yeah, yeah. internal civil war conflict, man. A lot of people are dying. A lot of people are suffering, man. Yeah. I hope that can come to a peaceable resolution as soon as possible. Got a lot of homies from over there, and um, you know they got a lot of family out there. So I, I just want to send my thoughts out to the people of um, Sudan. Um, of course, man, you know— TMBS, man, is chugging along, man, killing everything. I actually got a chance to show up live in studio with Mike and Dave and Matt and um and the rest of the crew out in Brooklyn uh, a week or two ago back when I was in New York for the holiday. It was an amazing broadcast, I would say. I would say so myself. One of, the, one, of, one of the biggest, one of the biggest broadcasts um, in TMBS history um, in the fashion of our president. I just said that. Of course, Patreon.com. Make sure y'all signing up to TMBS. They got a lot of subscribers, but they could always take some more. Ain't that right, Mike? Indeed. And you want it because you want to get that full-scale, full-on political education. Um, we have a huge amount of content for you. And you can also, of course, subscribe on iTunes and subscribe on YouTube. But definitely being a patron is the way to be. I also want to say in that wise show, which we entitled Goodbye to Another Dumb Year, uh, there was a lot of Jade impressions. So tune in for an impression of Jade's trying to pick up Waz's girl on Snapchat. Yes, um, he tried to Pretty drop conspiracy. Yeah, the guy may or may yeah. not have tried to drop conspiracy lines via Snapchat message. Of, <laughs> of course, make sure you guys have subscribed to The Daily Ding Back to back, of course, if you're listening to this, uh, B-O-M-M, The House of Strauss with Ethan Sherwood Strauss. I love Daily Ding, by the way. I like all the Count the Ding shows, but I love the Daily Ding because I've been – I just haven't had time to follow sports as much as I want to for a long time now. And I'm trying to, like, follow NBA a little bit again. And that podcast is very helpful, man. It's really good. It's tight. Rob Lopez. Rob Lopez on the ones and twos on that one, man. Um, of yeah. course, make sure you, you subscribe to The Interceptable. That's our NFL podcast with NFL insider genius Savant Kian Fahey and the, you know, regrettable Zach Harper. Uh, Patreon, <laughs> Patreon.com backslash count the dings, man. We really appreciate all the support. If you can spare the $8 a month, that Patreon helps us fund a lot of the dope content that we're bringing to you to you guys on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis. So make sure you, you subscribe if you can. Um, that's our show for today. Of course, shouts to Roberto Lopez, man, for being our producer on the show today. And, of course, Michael Brooks, the whole TMBS crew. 
Uh, everybody who listens, we out. Thanks, guys. Uh, Bye. Talk to you guys soon.